Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Yesterday, my five-year-old son goes to my wife and asks her, Mom, where is Jesus? And uh, she sees in his face, he's having this, this crisis of faith. And unsure about why he's asking the question, she starts explaining to him, well, well Jesus is, is everywhere. And uh, Jesus is in your heart. And, and you can speak to Jesus at any time. And he's a bit concerned. And he explains to her, well, well yesterday, I prayed to Jesus and I asked him for a new toy. But it still hasn't come yet. So where is Jesus? Now, uh, I think this is brilliant. I think so many of us experience this crisis of faith quite often, where you pray for something, you ask God for a miracle, and then you wait, and then you don't get the miracle that you're trusting God for. And then you start asking yourself, well, where is God? It's when you look at who God says He is uh, in His Word, and you look at your circumstances, and the two don't line up, and you start asking yourself, well, God, where are you? Where are you in this life? Now, you see, it's easy to believe that God is good when life is good. When everything is going according to plan and God, you are seeing how God is working in your life, it's easy to believe God is good. But it's quite difficult to believe that God is good even when life is not. Now, this book of Habakkuk, this is the journey that Habakkuk goes on and, and he finds a mature faith in chapter 3. He finds a mature faith, and uh, that's what we are discovering together. And my prayer for you is as we continue with this series, we're in week two, we're looking at Habakkuk chapter two today. As we continue with this series, that you would come to a new level of maturity in your faith that is not dependent on the results. It's not dependent on what you see God is doing in your life, but it's dependent on the character of God and on, on, on who God is. You see, there's a difference between having a relationship for something and having a relationship with someone. Now, last week, um, we spoke about the reality that life is not like a Disney movie where you can sing your problems away, where you can just sing, let it go, let it go, let it go, then your problems all disappear. Uh, we also said that, that life is not like a sitcom. And this book, Habakkuk, is not like a sitcom sermon or sitcom uh, series. Um, you see, uh, the sitcom type of life is the one where, you know, like what a sitcom works uh, like, is that everyone comes together in the beginning, everyone's happy, then there's a problem, then they resolve the problem, they fix the problem, then everyone's happy again, all within 30 minutes, including commercial breaks. And so in life, we sometimes think it works that way. Uh, you lose your job, and you are sad about losing your job, but then you know that God, when He closes one door, it's because He's opening a better door for you. Uh, so you lose your job, you're real sad, but then God comes and He gives you a, big, a better job with a bigger salary, better benefits. And at this new job that you're working at, you meet the person of your dreams and you get married and you live happily ever after. But the reality is that sometimes, sometimes you lose your job and you, use, you exhaust all of your life savings and at this moment, you still haven't found a new job and you're still crying out to God, but you're not seeing the miracle. And you go bankrupt and you feel like a failure. Sometimes life is not like a Disney movie. Sometimes life is not like a sitcom. And the worst, the worst is if you are at your lowest, then a well-meaning Christian comes and then they say, brother or sister, 
You must believe that God is in control. When He closes one door, He will open another. Or even worse, they, they, they tell you, well, all you need to do is let go and let God. And then everything's going to be okay. And then all you want to do is do what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we should lay hands on one another and you want to lay hands on them over and over and over again, right? I suppose that's quite biblical. See, the reality is that life is not always like a sitcom. Sometimes your dreams don't just come true and we are left with questions to God. And we say, God, why? And where are you? Why aren't you doing anything in my circumstances? This was the question that Habakkuk asked in chapter one. That's what we spoke about last week, is wrestling with God and asking God, where are you and why aren't you doing anything? Why are you silent, God? And this week we go to chapter two and it's about waiting. Now, uh, I wanna give you a couple of things that you can do when you are in your season of wondering, when you are in the season of, of hurting and wondering, God, where are you? It's like when my kid asked my, my wife, where is Jesus? I, I asked for the toy and I still don't see it. You know, where is God in all of this? When you are in that season of hurting or wondering and asking God questions, wrestling with God, what should you do in that season? And we can take a lot of advice from Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, verse 1. He starts off by explaining to us we should position ourselves to listen. The first thing you need to do if you are in a season of wondering is listen to God. Position yourself to hear the voice of God. In Habakkuk 2, 2 chapter 1, uh, verse 1, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the rampart. I will look to see what God will say to me. I will look to see what He will say to me. He's positioning himself to listen, the, uh, to, to hear the voice of God, to listen to what God wants to say. He doesn't run away. He doesn't run away from God, but he positions himself to listen to God, even when he is wondering and asking questions. Now, the last thing that you actually want to do if you are in this season of your life of hurting and wondering and, and asking God why is actually to listen. Because what we actually want to do is we want to tell God what he should be doing for us. We want to tell God, God, you, you need to heal my dad. God, God, you need to give me a new job. The last thing we want to do is to listen. But sometimes... There comes a time when we need to stop telling God what He needs to do and listen to what He wants to do. Now, I need to just give you a warning. Uh, God will speak to you. God speaks in many ways. He, he speaks through the Word. He speaks through friends. He speaks through the church. And sometimes even He speaks through silence. You know, just we should never confuse silence with absence. Uh, if God is silent, it does not mean He is absent. It just means he wants to speak to you in a different way. Or maybe he wants to do something in you through his silence. But here's the thing. Sometimes when God speaks to you, and, and this is the warning, is sometimes when God speaks to you, he's not always going to tell you what you want to hear. Uh, God is not our servant. We serve God and God is God. Sometimes God will not tell you what you want to hear. Habakkuk chapter 1, remember? What we spoke about last week, Habakkuk is expecting a miracle. Then God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they are going to bring justice on you. Those people that are worse than you, they are going to bring judgment on you. Sometimes God doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he goes to the Father and he says, God, is there no other way? Can this cup pass from me? I don't want to go down this road. Is there no, no other plan we can make? But then God doesn't tell Jesus what Jesus wants to hear in that moment. But Jesus remains faithful because he's got a mature relationship with God. 
Sometimes God doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Paul is another example. So the Apostle Paul, uh, he speaks about a thorn in his flesh. Now, theologians don't know what this thorn in the flesh is. It probably wasn't an actual thorn in his flesh. But some say it might have been a, a blindness or, um, uh, or anything, an addiction or, or something that he was struggling with. Something he felt was like a handbrake on his life and on his ministry. Uh, it might have been someone that was, you know, running after him and making life difficult for him. There was a thorn in his flesh. And he says, God, take this thorn in my flesh away. Take it away. Three times he pleads with God, take it away. But then God says, no, my grace is enough. My grace is enough for you. God says no to Paul. Now, if I were Paul, let's just be honest for a moment. If you were Paul, if I were Paul, I would have probably pushed back a little bit. Saying, God, you know, I've written some impressive letters. I mean, Paul is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. I would have said, you know, God, this thorn in my flesh, maybe you can help me out here. You know, I've, I've done a lot for you. I've planted a few churches and, uh, you know, I've been... I've been left for dead. I've been beaten up for you. I've really been persecuted for you. I've been shipwrecked. I've even been bitten by a snake for your mission. And you know how I feel about snakes. And uh, maybe Paul would have reminded God, God, I, I was even stoned for you. Obviously not the, the, the nice kind of stoned. You know, he wasn't like, I know you might be thinking, well, that'll be sweet to get stoned for Jesus. That's not persecution at all. But no, no, he, he was stoned like with rocks. They tried to kill him. And uh, he would have probably reminded God of all of those things. But God says, no, 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 my grace is enough for you. If I were Paul, I would have probably reminded God, you know, uh, I actually don't want your grace. I want your power. I want your power to overcome this illness of mine that's holding me back in life. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, your grace. You can give your grace to Peter. Peter denied you three times. He needs your grace. I need your power. Uh, or give your grace to Thomas, the doubting Thomas. Uh, I don't need your grace. I need your power, God. And if you've ever been so desperate, asking God, God, that's not what I need. I, this is what I want. But we need to position ourselves to listen to what God wants to do and also what God wants to say to, uh, to us. First thing is listen. Position yourself to listen to God. If you're on a place of wrestling and wandering uh, with God, listen. Second thing you need to do is write down. Habakkuk 2, chapter uh, Chapter 2, verse 2 says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. Document it. Write it down. The reason for writing something down is, it, I believe it's, it's something of a declaration of faith. It's because you are, you are making a statement that I believe that God is saying this. I've got a journal that I keep. I don't write in it every day, but I write in it uh, maybe once a week or so. And I write things down that I believe that God is saying or God is busy doing. And the other day, I was pretty low on faith. And I needed faith for something. And I started just reading through my own journal. Started reading some of the old things that, that God has been doing over the past two years. And some of the things that I believe He said like two years ago. And I, and I see how it's starting to happen. And uh, it encouraged me so much to go and read some of the things that I heard God say. So if you're in a season of hurting and wrestling, listen, listen to God. But then write down what you believe God is doing and write down what you believe God is saying to you in this difficult season of your life. The third thing that you need to do is to wait. This is the most difficult one. Listening, writing, that's easy. Waiting is difficult. Now, Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says the following. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. An appointed time of God's choosing. An appointed time. 
It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, though it takes a while, though it doesn't happen right away, though it doesn't happen when you want it to happen right now, though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Sometimes God takes his time, but he's never too late. Because he works on it. Maybe God is just working on a different time frame than what you are working on. There's another translation. Uh, the Living Bible says, says, uh, explains this verse in the following way. Verse 3. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. It seems slow. It seems slow to you. Because you're working on a different time frame. It's like, God, I need this power now. It seems slow to you. Do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Be patient. What does it mean to be patient? Now, this idea of God's timing. He's appointed time. The, the Hebrew word is moed. Now, Moed is the appointed time. It is the, the perfect and unstoppable time of God. Now, here's the thing. If it's not God's time yet, there's nothing you can do to force it. If it's not God's time yet, there's nothing you can do to force it. But also, if it is God's time, there's nothing you can do to stop it. If it is God's time, there will be nothing you can do to stop it. Now, I remember uh, when my wife was pregnant with our firstborn. She was pregnant in the middle of December in Bloemfontein. It is hot. It was, it, was, it was tough. It was extremely hot that summer. My wife is pregnant, and then apparently it's twice as hot. She was 38 weeks pregnant, and uh, she so badly wanted to force this thing that this baby comes out because she couldn't handle it anymore, 38 weeks. Then it becomes 39 weeks, and then 40 weeks, and then nothing happens. Doesn't matter what she tries to do, all the natural things you can try to do to force labor, it cannot. It cannot be forced because it's not the appointed time yet. And then 41 weeks, it's Christmas. Now, we knew it's bad for my little boy to be born in December because ideally you want your kids to be born in January, right? Because then they'll have an advantage in the South African school system. If you are born in January, you are always bigger than your classmates maybe in primary school. So you've got an advantage. We want that for our kids, right? But our family planning wasn't so good. My, my passion was bigger than my family planning. And uh, so this poor kid was going to be born in December. And so now it's 41 weeks. So now we start changing. Instead of trying to force it, we're trying to think, well, how can we hold it back until January? Then 42 weeks come. And we are two days away from January 1st. On the 29th of January, it is the appointed time. And it doesn't matter what we do. I, I, my wife tells me the contractions have started. And I, say, well, I ask her, well, can you, can you keep it in for two days? Uh, let's, just, let's just aim for, you know, 31 December, 12 o'clock. Even if it's just before 12 o'clock, we'll register him in January. But no, if it's God's time, nothing will stop it. If it's not God's time yet, there's nothing you can do to force it. And if it is God's time, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Now, there are two things that you should not do when you are waiting. Two things you should not do when you are waiting. When you are waiting on God, don't be anxious because you trust in God. It will happen, even though it doesn't happen on my time. It will happen. Don't be anxious. The second thing 
don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. You see, waiting on God, being patient, does not equal passivity. Being patient does not equal passivity. Waiting on God means you keep on working. You are faithful because you know that God is faithful, even though he's working on a different time frame than what you are working. You keep on being faithful because God is faithful until the appointed time. You keep on working. I've got a friend, John. I won't use John's real name, just not to embarrass him. Um, but during this lockdown, his business basically closed down for seven months. He had no income. John had no income at all. But in this time, I hear his story now and I hear that he was waiting on God. He was crying out to God, but he was not anxious because he knew that God is faithful. He was not anxious. And at the same time, he did not do nothing. He kept on working. He kept on working. Even though there was no income and wasn't the appointed time yet, he kept on working. He sent out something like 600 cold emails to different companies around the world. 600 cold emails. Different companies around the world. He kept on working until the appointed time. Seven months later, two responses, and he lands the biggest contract of his life. He lands the biggest contract of his life. If it's not God's time yet, nothing you can do to force it. But it doesn't mean you do nothing. It means you keep on working and you wait for the appointed time. But when it is God's appointed time, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Now, the next verse, Habakkuk 2, chapter 4. Uh, some theologians believe this is probably the most important verse in the book of Habakkuk. And it goes as follows. See the enemy, Babylon, is puffed up. His desire are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Now, we, we know this saying, you know, the righteous lives by faith. But we usually, you know, assume it means we live by our faith. The righteous person lives by having faith, as if faith is this thing on its own. But what this actually means to say is this, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The righteous person lives by his faithfulness, not your own faith, but by the faithfulness of God. It should read, the righteous person will live by God's faithfulness. That is why God is telling Habakkuk that don't worry, even though it takes a while, it will happen because I am faithful. And you, as a righteous person, you can live by my faithfulness. I promise I will be faithful, even though it just takes a little bit longer than what you, what you hoped for. We live by his faithfulness. And then straight after this, God goes into all of these woes. Uh, and and until, chapter until verse 19, from Habakkuk uh, 2.4 until uh, uh, verse 19, he's giving these woes. And he says, I am going to right every wrong. These Babylonians, don't worry, they're going to get what's coming to them. Don't you worry about them. I am going to serve them my justice and my wrath. Because God is a just God and he is a faithful God. And he makes all of these promises of making right every single wrong. And in, uh, uh, just by the way, verse 14, God gives this promise when he says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And this is actually the verse where Doxadeo gets its name from. Uh, Doxadeo means the glory of God. Doxa means glory and Deo means God. And so this verse reads, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the doxa of Deo, as the waters cover the sea, as the, uh, the knowledge of the glory of God, 
um, as the water covers the sea. And that's why our logo is this little wave because it symbolizes that there will come a time where the knowledge of the glory of God, the doxa of day, will cover this earth as the waters cover the sea and will cover our city as the water covers the sea. And so God makes this promise. This will happen. Whether you are a part of it or not, this will happen. When exactly will it happen? At the appointed time. I don't know when. I just know it's going to happen at the appointed time. But in our season of waiting, in our season of waiting, what do we do? We are not anxious. This will happen. God will right every wrong and his, the knowledge of his glory will cover this earth. But in our waiting, we also, not only we are not anxious, we also keep on working. We keep on working. In this ministry, we have seen the appointed time of many things. We have seen the knowledge of the glory of God in our city, in many, many certain projects or initiatives or, or ministries. We've seen the knowledge of the glory of God extending in the city of ours and many other cities around the world. But to be honest, there are many other things that we are still waiting for. Many other cities that we are still waiting for. Many other places where we want to see the knowledge of the glory of God still covering those areas. And so in the meantime, we're going to keep on working. We're not going to be anxious. And so we are in that in-between time now. But we know one day God is going to bring all of this to completion at the appointed time. Now, last verse. Verse 20. This chapter closes off with verse 20 when it says that, but the Lord is in his holy temple. And so God makes this promise and saying, listen, even though I'm working on a different time frame than what you are working, I am faithful and you can live by my faithfulness. The righteous will live by my faithfulness. You can live by that. You need to know that all in the end, even if you are in a season of wondering or a season of waiting, know this, that the Lord is securely in his holy temple. God is still in control. Doesn't matter what you see, doesn't matter what you experience in your life. God remains in control and he is secure in his holy temple. And you see, my faith is not only in the results I see around me. My faith is not in the, 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 the miracles I see happening in front of me. My faith is in a person. It is in the character and it is in the goodness of who God is is. And you see, that, this is the, the, the journey of maturity that we would love to take you with us on, is to move from a place where you have a relationship with God for something to a place where you have a relationship with God just because of who He is, where your faith is no longer in the miracles, no longer in your results that you see around you, but where your faith is fixed in His character and in the goodness of who God is. Next week, we're going to start speaking about this faith that Habakkuk had. But it's very important to understand that the faith in chapter 3 is only because there was a wandering chapter 1 and a waiting in chapter 2 that produced a faith in chapter 3. Let me pray for us and we'll see you next week again. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can live by your faithfulness. Thank you that we can declare even when we don't understand even when we are struggling and when we are wrestling and when we are wondering, God, thank you that we can still declare that you are faithful. 
even though we don't see the results now, even though we don't see your reality in our circumstances always, we know that you are faithful and that you will not delay. At the appointed time, God, you will not delay. And thank you, God, that you are faithful and we trust and we live by your faithfulness. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.